Welcome to Skull Stories, presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, Pete Bursich and I are catching up with Vikings Ring of Honor member, Ahmad Rashad. Well, Pete Bursich, before we delve into an interesting chat with Ahmad Rashad, uh, let's recap last week's game against the Detroit Lions. And my question to you is, other than Derrick Henry of Tennessee, can you think of another uh, team that centers its offense around its running back, and how unusual that is within the NFL, what the Vikings are now doing with Dalvin Cook. Yeah, that, you'd be hard-pressed to find another team that relies on the run. Uh, there are other teams out there that, that run the ball well. Um, you know, like Teams like Green Bay, for example, they, they run the ball well, but it's mainly because of uh, you know the respect that Rodgers gets defensively. And so it's, it's a whole other animal, like you said, Rosie, when – uh, you play a team and they know Dalvin Cook is going to get the ball. <laughs> we need to stop Dalvin Cook, and they're still unable to do so. So, um, yeah, he's he's such an explosive player, um, and he's the leader on that offense, and that's the thing I'm seeing more and more of. Is he's the emotional leader. He's the guy out there uh, getting the guys ready to go, talking to them, helping the young guys. I mean, he's really, really, I think, uh, taken and embraced the leadership role on offense. By nature, the position uh, takes a beating. Uh, if you're coaching uh, Dalvin Cook and you look at his carries per game, uh, in an ideal world, do you want to keep him about 20 to 25 a game? That's the one thing, uh, if you talk about a you know, major difference with Adrian and with Dalvin, you know, Adrian Peterson, he, the guy never wore out. He was, he was, uh, un, he was remar- as remarkable in that way as he was a runner. Um, with Dalvin, when you look in at the past um, – Especially at the at, you know toward the end of last year, you know he just or two years ago I believe it was just he you know he didn't have a he didn't have a lot of runs over ten yards for a couple he didn't have any actually for a couple weeks in a row. It's just he got tired. Now he's getting older. He's maturing physically. Yes, you mature physically until you're about twenty seven in this mm-hmm. game. Uh, so hopefully you know hope it's hard to put him on a pitching count like that. It's just a pitch count because you have to get there. If you get to the uh, an opportunity late in December to play for the playoffs and Dalvin's a little tired, it's like, well, we got here in the first place. Mm-hmm. And as a coach, you think week to week, you really you really can't think six to eight weeks out. But ideally, yes, you would like to see um, a game where he doesn't get as much use so we don't have to rely on him so heavily. Well, let's get into our conversation with our guest tonight. You know, we did uh, a Sunday night show on, on, on Channel 4 for many years uh, with Pete Bursich and myself. It all started for me, Pete, with a guy named Ahmad Rashad back in the late 70s, the Rashad Rosen Report. I wanted top billing. He insisted on it, but that's because he's Ahmad Rashad. <laughs> uh, but uh, a, a great friend for all these years, and uh, someone also worked with Sid Hartman like everybody else. So we're going to talk to Ahmad about Sid and, of course, talk about his days with the Minnesota Vikings. So let's get into it. Here's Ahmad Rashad. And what a kick it is to have uh, my old co-host on, uh, I want to say the Rashad Rosen Report. That's the way we called it back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, my buddy Ahmad Rashad joining us. G- uh, good evening, Ahmad. How are you? It is always such a pleasure to see you. You are the most wonderful person in the world, and it just warms my heart every time I see you. Hey, listen, uh, before we launch into some football conversation with Pete Bursich and myself, uh, we got to talk about your old buddy, Sid Hartman, who uh, passed away, as you know, uh, a couple weeks ago at the age of 100, and everyone's got a Sid story. I'm sure you got a bunch of them. What comes to mind when you hear uh, Sir Sidney's name and celebrate his amazing life? 
You know, he was Sir Sidney. I don't care how you want to put it. He was the epitome of Minneapolis, Minnesota. He was, I've always said that the, the best thing about Minnesota, the time I spent there, were the people. And Sid was Minnesota through and through. And a, a great tight friend of George Steinbrenner. He used to come see Sid to hang out with Sid. And he was uh, he was like a character. He was he had that little tape recording machine that he'd always be doing his little stories on the tape recording thing. And, and a funny story of what we used to do at, at, uh, after games is that he would ask you a question and then he would put the microphone in front of your mouth for you to answer the question. And while you were answering the question, he'd be talking to somebody else over there <laughs> while he was talking. So what we'd do is just start saying, we'd start saying crazy stuff on the mic. <laughs> it was like, start saying anything. You know, and then he'd come back and go, what'd you say? It's like, Sid, talking to me and a guy over there. He did it every single Sunday. But what a wonderful man. Well, a different relationship. Uh, as, as your career progressed, uh, Sid wanted to, I think, be everybody's friend. And, and I knew that relationships were the key. It, it wasn't always that way with, media people uh it just and he's probably the last of the last of a breed that will have that sort of close personal friendships with people that he covered he was a part of the organization i mean i mm-hmm. know that there's supposed to be clear lines between press and teams and all those kinds of things sid went past that sid and i, and I, I don't see anything wrong with that that was his relationship and that, that's the way he he handled it he was best friends with bud he was vikings through and through he was, he never held back on anything, but there were no lines. Sid could walk in anywhere. You know, he'd be in the locker room, <laughs> Sid walk in the locker room, or uh, he could be in the huddle and Sid might walk through the huddle. And we all knew it was just Sid. So he was just a, just a wonderful guy in one of a kind. I just feel so fortunate to have had a, a guy like Sid have influence over my life, to have him in my life. I feel so fortunate to have had that opportunity because he was just, you know, words don't do justice. And you know, as well as I do, Sid was the man. Now, Amat, we heard, you know, we've, we heard from people like Fran Tarkington, who when they came to Minnesota, the first person they met getting off the plane was Sid Hartman. Now you had spent some time, uh, you know, with the Cardinals, uh, with the Bills. So when you first met Sid, it wasn't your first rodeo, so to speak, with the media. So what was what was he like after being in those other places, sitting down and be and then seeing this guy who, like you said, was just everywhere. He was larger than life in a lot of in a lot of ways. I don't think Sid had ever seen anybody quite like me when I got there either, because there were so many <laughs> stories about me being like wild and crazy and you know just this guy that you can't control and those kinds of things. So Sid was the first guy to come up and introduce himself to me. I'm Sid Hartman, you know, and so that was sort of set on the right path of how we went from there. And he was always straight across. He was never, never a phony guy, never, you know, never had anything that, that he really wanted you to do. He was doing something because he wanted you to do it. He was just a solid guy from the old school. And I think that's the way they used to cover sports. You know, back when they used to wear the hats with the cigars, you know, <laughs> and I can't wait to get in and chewing on a cigar. <laughs> that was Sid. You know, Sid could, he had a byline. He had to make sure he hit that, deadline or whatever it was i'm sure i don't know if he had a deadline or not but that's what he always reminded me of of all the old movies i used to watch where the guy was always in a suit and a hat and a cigar chewing on it trying to make the deadline you know Amad, what's interesting to follow up on that is that as a fellow wide receiver i found it interesting that that randy moss uh took to him 
the way he did. And, and Randy had trust issues with a lot of adults when he first broke into the league. And, and here's Sid, as old school as it gets, you'd think that maybe they wouldn't mesh, but Randy wouldn't even start a news conference unless Sid was in the room. And I, I always wondered about that, but maybe that speaks to his involvement and understanding that there was a trust that he had with athletes. And Mark, you had it right on the head. It was a trust factor. It was a trust factor with Sid that you know you could have – everything wasn't on the record when you had a conversation with him. You never had to worry about that. He'd let you know if he was interviewing you, it was an interview. If it was anything else, Sid, like, how you doing? How's this? How's that? Questions from all kind of places. But such a wonderful, warm man. There are very few people, and he could be the last of that kind, that did his job the way he did it. It's not that way anymore. The Internet has as, as crushed all personal relationships with everybody. Uh, so it's different now. It's not that, you know, Sid, you saw Sid every single day. You knew when Sid was coming. You know, he was on the plane all the time. You know, now, you know, with the Internet, that's kind of diff- it's kind of different now. It's not the same. Now, Ahmad, did, what did you learn from Sid and, and maybe Mark Rosen that you took – into your career in broadcasting because you, you were interviewing you weren't just giving the news you were interviewing getting to know people do those things did you take anything from Sid uh and Mark Rosen when you transitioned out yeah well Sid I, I took the fact that it was always important to have a relationship it was it always helped to have that relation to be able to like I was saying earlier Sid walked through all the locker rooms he did everything throughout my whole career I went to every locker I never got banned out of anywhere uh, even when the Bulls in their heyday, I'd sit in the locker room where Phil was doing his talking or I'd go in the training room. But it was just one of those things I learned from, from Sid about being trustworthy in those sort of situations. Now, Mark taught me everything I know about television. He, except typing. Except- <laughs> <laughs> he never taught me how to type, but he had to type all my stuff up every single week. But I learned so much to be who you are. I don't have a, I mean, I don't have a act. I'm just me. Mark is just Mark. And we had a lot of fun, but we always, he always gave me a chance to flourish, to take chances, to be able to say what I wanted to say or create some different things about a different play or that play. And always so giving and so kind. And and it was never like, television is a weird game. You know, you get the wrong person, there's little things people fight about, and they're itsy-bitsy about time and things like that. Never got that at all. It got one of those things I felt like, you know, my entree into that business was with Mark. Want an inside look into U.S. Bank Stadium on game day? Tune in to Vikings pregame all-access for an exclusive live stream pregame show providing behind-the-scenes content prior to all Vikings home games. Vikings pregame all-access airs at 11 a.m. on Vikings.com, the Vikings app, Vikings-connected TV, and social media platforms. We'll be back in a moment with more Skull Stories right after this. Don't miss your chance to virtually meet fan-favorite football heroes all season long. CenturyLink has teamed up with your Minnesota Vikings for the Legends Connection Meet and Greet Sweepstakes. To enter, visit vikings.com slash promotions. And now back to more Skull Stories with Ahmad Rashad. I always tell people, and a lot of uh, former athletes want to get in this business, uh, you did everything. Nothing 
no assignment was too small for you. And I think it served you well, whether you're doing a story on PM Magazine, our old show on CCO, covering a high school football game or basketball game. But I have to believe it served you well all the way through your career at, at NBC and working with the NBA that you paid your dues much the way you did in athletics. I feel the same way. I felt that they gave me an opportunity. Remember we had Monday was Ask Ahmad. Oh, yeah. And then Thursday <laughs> was I got a chance to do any feature I wanted to on anything on Thursday night. That thing that happened at CCO, I had those three days. We we had our night, and our night was live. Oh, we yeah. A live show on Sunday nights after the games. But Monday was also live. It was on at just at 5 o'clock where – People call and ask me any kind of question. So, I, you know, I got a chance to <laughs> figure out that kind of thing. And then the Thursdays got a lot of fun because I ended up doing uh, high school basketball. I got doing, uh, oh, man, a lot of weird things that I with that, like hockey. I mean, all kinds of different things from every single level. And that really formed me as the um, announcer that I became to be able to do, um, it didn't matter what the sport was. No, I have to ask you a semi-personal question because after our show on Sunday nights, we'd often go out and have a have a cocktail or two at, at, the, at the Loon. But you would take a limo back to your your, your place in Lakeville, and and then our, my boss Ron Hamburg would get the bill for it, and he'd go, "What time was this show over? How come this this limo got back at two a.m.?" I go, "I don't know. I wasn't with them." We had a lot of fun. Prince would be over at the Loon. I think we ran into Bob Dylan. It was crazy. But what a great time we had. <laughs> it was so much fun. I'm telling you, it was so much fun. I remember they used to wonder what happened to that limo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, and Ahmad, as, as your broadcasting career took off, and we watched a lot of what happened with you and Michael Jordan in that wonderful documentary that went on, and we could ask you a lot of questions about that. But it's interesting that there's a whole generation of people that don't even realize you played football. Uh, and I, I, and I'm sure you're fine with that, aren't you? It dawned on me when I left, when I left Minneapolis and moved to New York, my goal was to try to do television so well that people would forget I played football. And I played football really well. You sure did. The goal going forward was I, I need to have people not look at me as a football player. I, and one of the reasons I went to NBC is because they let me do all sports. And we had wide world of sports and all that kind of stuff that we did all over the world. And that's the kind of thing I was doing. But one day, my daughter came home from school, and she said, there's a kid in my class that wants your autograph. He says that you played for the Minnesota Vikings. Did you? <laughs> wow. My own wow. daughter. And I realized I had overdid it. <laughs> <laughs> I might have went too far with that forgetting people. was like, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. But in the, in, the, in the whole run of it, it's just I had a wonderful time, you know, playing sports. I had a wonderful time in Minnesota. Also a great time in the next career. So it, it, it's, all, it's all good. Uh, Ahmad, listening to you, it's no surprise that when it got to television, you did what you had to do. You were a running back in college and then switched to receiver. You did whatever you had to do. You, have, you were a winner. You've been around winners, people like Jordan. What is if, if if you have a for a younger audience for younger kids or for high school kids that are listening? What is it? What what is it that 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 they all have that that you have that Jordan had that these people have that you would love to impart upon the youth of America today? It's the confidence and always getting up. We're all going to get knocked down at some point in our lives. They're only going to take a shot every now and then. It's the people that get up and keep going 
are the ones that have become very, very successful and happy and, and, and onward and upward at all times. Those lows, they don't do anything but take you down and out. There's nothing you can really do about that. But it becomes a, a feeling that it's all about onward and upward. Everybody gets knocked down. You got to get up. You got to get up. It's one of those things that people used to do, like when you played football. It's like the question is not, are you hurt? The question is, can you play? It's yeah. like that in life. You know, mm -hmm. it's not about, oh, yeah, my leg hurts and I can't do it. Can you play? It's, it's simple. That Make that thing a little bit simple. Can you play? So I think it's just a, it's one of those things where you got to just keep getting up. Everybody gets knocked down. You got to keep getting up and believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Not to some fanatical sort of, uh, you know, feeling, but that inner confidence is that, you know, you can, you can do, you can have, you can dream, and you can achieve those dreams. Getting back to the, the the Michael Jordan relationship, I think everybody was locked in, especially during the pandemic, watching that series. And uh, you had a prominent role in, in terms of our friend Andy Thompson and watching him put that thing together. Uh, what was your overall reaction to uh, the reaction that people had about that they didn't really know about MJ? Sometimes it's, it's not always good to go in a locker room. You know, back in the days, those locker rooms were kind of closed, and there were two situations the person that you see out and about is like a normal person. When you get in that locker room and you get ready to play, everything changes. So I thought it was a wonderful opportunity for people to see Michael Jordan in a competing sort of situation, with, to, to really be a fly on the wall and watch how the thing works, and then you make up your mind. And he mm -hmm. never came on and tried to explain anything. We talked a bunch of times. He was like, hey, man, I'm not explaining anything. I'm just going to let you see it. And then you come to your own conclusion, and that's what it is. And I thought that was a great move on his part. And he has yet to have anything to say about analyzing any, I mean, publicly analyzing any of it or doing all the other stuff. Never said anything about it. It was a great, a really great piece. And he did such a wonderful job. And the fact that we got a chance to, you know, be up close was just, that doesn't happen. It's usually that footage you never see. The people will always want to have a comparison between athletes, no matter what the sport. And in this case, it's LeBron uh, and Michael. The arguments go on, and, and the con the constant sort of who's better at this and that. Does it matter? No, it's you know it is. It's sports and it's great talk. But here's here's a concept. Why are they comparing LeBron and and Michael when LeBron plays like Magic? Why don't you compare Magic yeah. and LeBron? But it's just. If we're really going to have a conversation, one of them is a facilitator, like Magic. Mm -hmm. So it'd be Magic and LeBron that you should be comparing, because Michael does, didn't play like either one of those. So, but, you know, it's just the beauty of sport to be able to have those. You know, back when we were growing up, you'd go and get a beer and argue about who's the best, this, that, and the other, <laughs> and go home, and you don't really know one way or the other. But now people want to get real upset about who's better and who's this. You'll never know. They're never going to play each other. So you right. just enjoy all of it. And as we get older, they start leaving people out because they never saw them play. Well, Ahmad, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. Uh, I love you like a brother, and uh, stay healthy, my friend. Same to you, brother. Always, always so warm and nice to see you, man. I love you, man. Well, Pete, it's great to hear from Ahmad. I have about a million Ahmad Rashad stories. A few of them I actually told on the air. <laughs> but he was a great football player. I mean, we talked about it. I mean, a lot of fans, Viking fans, don't remember him as a football player because they're too young. 
number 28 was sensational, and he made some big, big catches for this franchise over the years, and that's why he's in the ring of honor. Yeah, and what amazes me most about Ahmad is just his can-do attitude. He was a, a running back and then you know, mm-hmm. became a receiver and vice versa. He, you know, he played whatever position he needed to do, and that attitude carried over into his broadcasting career. I mean, he was doing high school games. He would take yeah, he, sure he, he would take any job that he possibly could, just so he could work and get better. And it, you know, it paid off. So that that can do, will do, whatever it takes attitude um, definitely shows in his personality and it shows in his career. Well, the Vikings need some of that can do attitude on Monday night. I don't know if you have a theory as to why the Vikings have had such little success at Soldier Field. No matter <laughs> if Brett Favre's that quarterback, Dante Culpepper's a quarterback, or Kirk Cousins is that quarterback. You've played on that field before. What is it? Is it, uh, is it the ghost of, of George Hallis that comes up? What, what's the situation there? You know, it, it's, I think it's because it's a, they call it a stadium in a park is, is, what, ah. is what it is. And the um, you know it was always kind of an inside joke after they got rid of the astroturf that um, you know the city manages the field and you could tell I mean the grass is always was always super long um, there are, I think it, it, it's mainly being outside and you you know you go you look at Lambeau Field uh, we've done well there but not great but for some reason in Chicago. Uh, and, you know, throughout, my God, for the last 20 years, they've had an unbelievable defense. Um, they have not had a, uh, you know, a quarterback that was, <laughs> you know, lighting things up. And yet with just uh, with no quarterback and uh, a great defense, they've been able to to win a lot of football games against us. And if you go into Chicago on a Monday night and take care of business, I think people are going to, you know, a couple things the Bear fans are going to finally get off the bandwagon because they're, you know, they started out with a lot of hope um, with Foles and and the wins, and and they've lost three in a row. Now you're getting them on national TV. They're going to be ready. They are going to be fired up. They're not, you know, you're not going to catch them sleeping. So these make, guys yeah. are going to be ready to go, and it's going to be it's going to be a dogfight. And then uh, that's black and blue Chicago. I mean, that that's that's the NFC North, baby. Well, that was a blast hearing from Ahmad Rashad, one of the greatest players and personalities in Vikings history. It was certainly fun catching up with him once again. And Pete Bursich, thank you once again this week. And thank you, fans, for tuning in to another episode of Skull Stories presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week. Skull Stories.